It's currently 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The date is Wednesday, November 15th in the sixth year of the Age of the Blood Forest, and you are listening to KBFR. This is Blood Forest Radio. Listeners, for the first time in the history of this show, I am not broadcasting from my impenetrable fortress on Telegraph Hill. I know, I'm shocked my own self. This is the first time in months that I've emerged from Coit Tower, because it has all I would ever need, and anything else I want, I can just send Tammy out to get. You all know intern Tammy, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. But the reason why I ventured forth today is because today, oh most joyous of days, is Baseball Day. Now, it is well known that I dislike most things. In fact, it's fair to say that I loathe most things with a deep and unyielding hatred, like cross-country skiing, and toe shoes, and people who underline sentences in library books and then return them but I love baseball. I think it all goes back to my childhood. My parents weren't often around. Oh, they tried their best, but being international art thieves meant that they often had to leave at a moment's notice, flying off to the Rakes Museum to steal a portrait of King Charles II by Hans Holbein the Younger, or to Bolivia to hide from the FBI in an ancient Inca temple. So I was largely raised by my grandmother, Enid, in a tumble-down trailer in a shantytown outside Manteca. Grandma Enid weighed 500 pounds and didn't much like physical exertion, but when she was able to rouse herself from her drunken slumber, we went to a nearby scrapyard to play baseball. She because of her girth and slowness, played the position of designated hitter. I, in the meantime, played the same position as I did in Little League, second string right fielder. Since we had no pitcher due to the fact that I had no friends, we mostly just kicked awkwardly at the dirt before 24 came on and Grandma Enid rolled her way home. Those days are long gone now, but to this day when I hear the crack of a bat or smell oil fumes from an industrial-grade car compactor, a tear of nostalgia comes to my eye. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, baseball. What a game we have in store for you folks. It's a playoff matchup between the San Francisco Giants and their crosstown rivals, the San Francisco Not Giants. The sky is lovely, the color of Dijon mustard or industrial fumes, 
and it's a packed crowd of 4,000 here at Scenic AT&T Park. One of the spectators is, as always, Mrs. Anchovy, who sits in her rocking chair next to the third base foul line and brandishes her blunderbuss in a menacing fashion. A reminder to all our listeners that any balls hit into Mrs. Anchovy's sorghum patch in deep left field count as a ground rule double. Plus, you will probably get shouted at by Mrs. Anchovy. Easy on the sorghum there, boys and girls. The starting pitcher for the Giants steps up to the mound, hometown hero Naima Sajedi. She's only 15 years old, but this is already her third season in the league. As an orphaned child, she taught herself to pitch in the dead of night while the rest of the city slept, using a crumpled up Dr. Pepper can for a ball and a shoe for a glove. She was signed by the Giants three years ago and worked her way up from second string reliever to the Giants' ace starter. Now she steps up to face the not Giants' first batter, Michael Jenkins. Here's the windup. She throws a cut fastball that just streaks across the strike zone, blowing by Jenkins as if he wasn't even there. She winds up again. Swing and a miss. Another pitch. Strike three. Oh, that was filthy. A 12-6 curveball that practically bounced off the plate. The next batter, Wayne Wenderson, steps up. Sajetti's just playing catch here, folks. They can't touch her right now. She winds up and hangs a breaking ball, and Wenderson pops a long, lazy fly to left field, where, yes, I can just see it land in the sorghum. Ground rule double. Wenderson trots into second, and Sajetti does not look happy. She knows that she made a mistake, and she is pissed. Let's take a brief break to have a word from our first sponsor, who is... Fuck. It's Canada Steve. Hello, baseball! For good deals on all types of things what can be bide, get a piece of the action. Canada Steve. Maybe come by after the baseballs are finished and buy a thing? We have clothes with logos on them, every one of your favorite team or otherwise. Canada Steve. Go baseball! Two outs in the top of the first, and the cleanup hitter for the Not Giants, DeAndre Morris, steps to the plate. Morris is the only major leaguer left in San Francisco, and perhaps the world. He was a catcher for the Washington Nationals, who were playing the Giants when the Blood Force came to the city. Well, the noble baseballists of both San Francisco and Washington defended us with their mighty bats and moderate athletic ability, Morris hid in the visitor's clubhouse like a little bitch. We all hate DeAndre Morris listeners because he is cocky without having earned it, egotistical without being intelligent, and sexy. So, so sexy. The two face off. Local heroine versus out-of-town villain. A hush falls over the stadium. The tension is palpable. Palpable. That's a funny word. Something can be palpable, but it's impossible to just... Palp. Challenge fastball down the middle. Morris isn't biting. Strike one. There are a lot of words like that. Nobody is shoveled. Or ept. 
Slider, low in the zone. Morris takes strike two. Language can be funny that way. And people can be funny. Maybe we focus too much on the negative in language as well as life. Holy fuck! Morris crushes this one. It's going, going, gone. A soaring home run to left field. It flew over the sorghum patch and the outfield wall and... Jesus Christ! Is it still going? Fuck. Yes, Tammy, I know I'm swearing. I work blue, you know that. And besides, if he saw a home run like that, then fucking Scully would start cussing. Sajetti is not happy. She's thrown her glove on the ground and appears to be yelling at it. Her catcher, Raheem Bingleton, trots out to the mound to have a word with his pitcher, get everything sorted out. Calm her down a bit. Well, now that there's a break in the action, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh look, it's the Little Rainbow's Orphanage. Sounds like the Little Rainbow's Orphanage is doing a glove drive, everyone. They're taking any old used gloves that you might happen to have lying around so you can give the gift of baseball to someone who truly needs it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, look, we all know who is behind this, right? That, that asshole Brad Smith. I mean, look, I know he loves baseball and he loves children. And we all know, of course, that he was drafted in the second round by the Telegraph Avenue hipsters. And, you know, he turned it down because he loves this city and the BFRB and just being better than everyone else so much. But, I mean, come on. It's not like baseball is that hard of a sport. I mean, I love it and everything, but it's basically just like a glorified version of tag. It's tag with a ball and a stick and people running around and colorful uniforms. And, I mean, sure, it, 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 it's, I don't even know. I mean, come on, Brad. Why Why do you always have to be so much better than everyone else with your long, flowing, luxuriant hair and your piercing blue eyes like those of a falcon, except falcons don't have blue eyes, they have creepy yellow ones, I guess, and, and just so smug and arrogant and beautiful and, and awful, and Jesus Christ, Tammy, what is it? Oh. Listeners, it seems that while I was ranting, three innings have gone by. It is now the bottom of the fourth with one out. How is that even possible? I don't think I was ranting for three and two-thirds innings. Do I have some sort of time-distorting ranting power that makes everything speed up? Do I just not pay attention? Or is it that nothing interesting happened during those innings and so it was glossed over? As if this were some kind of movie, or TV show, or, I don't know, serial fiction podcast. And we compressed the events of the last three innings, because to listen to them in real time would be boring and pointless. No, I probably just wasn't paying attention. Anyway, it's the bottom of the fourth. Two runners on base, Madeline Silverstone, the Giants shortstop and Jaime Maldonado, the second baseman. The score is now 2-1 to one in favor of the visitors. Now, stepping up to the plate... Oh, look at this! It's the Jetty! Our hometown hero, the pride of San Francisco, steps to the plate, full of stoic determination, 
a fire burning deep within her eyes. Or at least I would assume there's fiery determination in her eyes, but I can't tell because I'm way the hell up here in the broadcaster's booth. What I can tell you is that she and Morris are jawing at each other. There's bad blood between the two of them. The home plate umpire, Michaela Winry, is having a word with both of them. Looks like she's persuaded Morris to get back in the squad. He signals to the pitcher as the jetty gets into her stance. Here's the windup, the pitch. Oh, it's a screamer right at Sajetti's head! She ducks out of the way, and the ball slams into the backstop. Sajetti turns and shouts at Morris, and Winry has to physically restrain them from going at each other. The bench is clear, and it looks like there's going to be a brawl. No, wait, the first and third base umpires have drawn their machetes. Now, ordinarily, edged weapons and firearms are forbidden on the field, but these are umpires, not players. Besides, the umpires belong to the bone-packed militia, and it's unwise to take a weapon out of a bone-packed warrior's hands. Cooler heads have prevailed. Michaela Winry has indicated to the pitcher, Billy Bobberson, that if he pulls something like that again, his ass and his catcher's ass will both be out of the game. Winry does not give a shit, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a day on which no shits shall be given. It is a day when grown men and women run around playing a children's game in a stadium designed to hold 40,000 people. In other words, deadly serious. Sajeti sets her bat on her shoulders. It looks as if she's ready to clobber the next pitch out of the park. Here's the windup, the pitch. She bunts, and it's a beauty right down the third baseline. Morris scrambles for it as Sajeti blasts towards first. Maldonado slides into home, and Morris fires it to first. She's out! Just by a whisker, the ball hit leather just before her feet touched the bag. But it doesn't matter. A sacrifice bunt, ladies and gentlemen, and nobody saw it coming. The score is all tied up now. Sajeti smiles and congratulates Maldonado. That's the mark that separates a good player from a good person. The capacity to sacrifice oneself for the good of one's teammates. And conversely, the mark of an evil man is inflicting harm on another for one's own personal game or amusement. I'm talking about you, DeAndre Morris. You signaled to your pitcher to bean Naima Sajeti. For shame, you slime, you newt, you blackhead on a putrescent ass. For shame. And now, a PSA regarding consuming plants and animals you've found in the blood forest. Is it yellow? Let it mellow. Is it black? Put it back. Is it purple? You are going to die. I hope this has cleared things up. Listeners, it's currently the top of the ninth, and the Not Giants are up to bat. So far, it's been a pitcher's duel. Or rather, it would be a pitcher's duel if any of the Not Giants pitchers could throw for crap. But when your ace's best pitch is a 70-mile-an-hour fastball, then you don't have a leg to stand on, do you? Still, some nice defensive work has kept it at 2-2. And remarkably, Sajeti is still in the game, even though the pitch count is rising inning by inning. She's at about 130 pitches, but she's hanging in there. It's been a truly remarkable performance, 
even though there's a little less snap to her slider, a little less heat on her fastball. If she had more run support, this game would be done and dusted, but unfortunately, not everyone can be as good as Sajeti. The count is now 3-1. She winds up, throws, high and outside. The batter, Akbar Alihali, takes his base. Now the not-giant center fielder steps up. It's Shoshana Morgan, the former Santa Clara University utility outfielder, and the closest thing that the not-giants have to another former big leaguer on the team. She hefts her bat. You can practically palp the tension in the air, folks. Palpitate. Is that where the word unpalpable comes from? Do they have related etymologies or something? Tammy, look up the etymology of the word palpable. Fastball high. The count is 1-0. I know that Google doesn't exist anymore. Fuck's sake, you can go to a library and find a goddamn book if you need to. There's still such a thing as libraries, you know. Swing and a miss at an inside changeup. One and one. What do you mean the library's closed for repairs? How the hell was I supposed to know that? Strike two, Morgan is caught looking at a curveball. Why would they close the library if there's a hole in the roof? It's California, it's not going to rain. Oh, hold up listeners. Ground ball sharply hit towards a five and a half hole. Madeline Silverstone spears it. She throws across her body as she falls and Jaime Maldonado is there to get it. He touches second, throws first. Double play. Perfect timing, execution, communication, and skill, ladies and gentlemen. A prettier 6-4-3 double play you'll never see. And I suppose you didn't see this one because radio is not a visual medium. Whatever, my point still stands. Now, stepping up to the batter's box is... Oh, shit! With two outs in the top of the ninth, the batter is DeAndre Morris. If he gets on base, the Not Giants have a chance to stay in the game. If he gets out, the Giants can win it in the bottom of the ninth. And what's more, he's going up against his arch nemesis, Naima Sajedi. It all comes down to this, people. Good versus evil, hometown hero versus visiting villain. It's a showdown for the ages, and even the baseball deities seem to recognize how momentous the occasion is. Because there's a rumble of thunder off in the distance, as if to highlight the dramatic, wait, thunder in California? Uh-oh. Listeners, the sky has just opened up and a deluge of monumental proportions is beginning to rain from the heavens. The ground crew scrambles to get the tarp into position so that the precious infield dirt can be spared. Oh wait, something is going on down there. The chief of the grounds crew is arguing with the umpire, Michaela Winry. And now Sajedi and Morris, as well as the two coaches, are getting into it as well. And all the while, the infield is being churned into a muddy paste. They forgot the tarp? Um, well, intern Tammy is informing me that the tarp has been commandeered by the Little Rainbows Orphanage as an emergency tent to house a number of children, and that there is no backup tarp. God damn it. <clears throat> it looks like the game is cancelled on account of rain, listeners. 
The dramatic late-inning showdown between Sajedi and Morris will have to wait another day. Or, depending on how swampy the field gets, another week. Or who knows, it might not ever happen. We need heroes and villains, listeners. We need people to defend the weak and innocent. We need dragons to fight against. We need them to create structure out of our lives, to create narratives out of formless chaos. We need them, in short, because we need stories. But the universe doesn't need stories. To the universe, heroes and villains alike are an arrangement of bosons and leptons that will one day succumb to entropy. And stories are just sodium ions, shooting patterns of electrons back and forth, impulses in the neurons of sacks of meat and water that will one day be gas and dust and nothing. The universe doesn't care about us. It doesn't care about ninth-inning duels between pitcher and batter. It doesn't care about a planet choked by red alien vegetation. And it will always find a way to disappoint you. Also, the reference section is where all the dictionaries are kept. So, I suppose we'll never find out what the etymology of palpable is. Well, that's a bleak ending, but it's an ending, I guess. I'll be back tomorrow, listeners, just like every day. And remember, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm just saying goodnight. Radio is written by Ian P. Johnson and Daniel Lindsley and performed by Ian P. Johnson. Music for this episode was created by Tim and Derek Hammersley. Have you got a cue? Let us A it. Send us your questions at letters at bloodforestradio.com and we'll answer them. Probably. If we feel like it. Also, we have a Facebook now. Check it out at facebook.com slash bloodforestradio. The fear of the day is claustronictoarachnophobia, the fear of being trapped in a dark closet full of spiders. <laughs> <laughs>